We're turning in our Bibles today to Amos chapter 1. We're going to read the first eight verses. Amos chapter 1. Let's hear the word of God. Amos chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. For those online, the words will come up on screen. I would encourage you to get a copy of the Bible and try to follow the reading for yourself. Let's hear God's word. The words of Amos who was among the herdsmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And he said, The Lord will roar from Zion, and utter his voice from Jerusalem, And the habitations of the shepherd shall mourn, and the top of Carmel shall wither. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have threshed Gilead with threshing instruments of iron. But I will send a fire into the house of Hazael, which shall devour the palaces of Ben-Hadad. I will break also the bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitants from the plain of Avon. And him that holdeth the scepter from the house of Eden, the people of Syria shall go into captivity unto Kir, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they carried away captive the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. But I will send a fire on the wall of Gaza, which shall devour the palaces thereof, And I will cut off the inhabitant from Ashdod, and him that holdeth the scepter from Ashkelon. And I will turn mine hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, saith the Lord God. Amen. We know that the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now this morning, I'm attempting to preach on what is really a topical subject. Some would even suggest a hot topical subject, namely the subject of Gaza. The text is taken from Amos chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. It says, Thus saith the Lord, For three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, 
because they have carried away captive the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. But I will send a fire on the wall of Gaza, which shall devour the palaces thereof. And I will cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod, and him that holdeth the scepter from Ashkelon. And I will turn mine hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, saith the Lord God. Now I've entitled this message, Gaza, it's war with Israel and the word of God. Now eight days ago on the 7th of October at approximately 6.40 a.m., we could really say Israeli time, an Islamic jihadi terrorist group called Hamas attacked the land of Israel from land, sea, and air. At the same time, thousands of thousands of rockets rained down in various parts of the Holy Land, places like Ashdod, Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, Hebron, came under sustained attack, attempting, no doubt, I believe, to overwhelm the Israeli defense system known as the Iron Dome. At the very same time of the rocket attacks, thousands of Hamasi terrorists entered into the territory of Israel and began murdering men, women, and children. By Monday morning, so we're talking about 48 hours later, from the 7th of October to the 9th of October, a clearer picture began to emerge of the horrific scale and impact of this heinous attack. Some 1,300 Jewish people had been murdered. Thousands have been injured. 1,300 of those murdered were young people celebrating a festival for peace in the desert. 40 of them were babies, some shot in the head with their mothers, some beheaded, some burnt to death. Images have now emerged to verify this. And I would urge you to listen to Andrew Marr's program, who would be no friend to God or to God's ancient people. Some 150 Israelis were taken captive, soldiers, old women, and children. They were taken back into Gaza, and those that taken to Gaza faced possible torture, and even death. Think of homes broken into. Think of people shot dead in their beds, burnt to death in their cars, trying to flee. You see, this evil, inhumane, barbarous, sectarian murder and captive of innocent people is really the stuff of nightmares. And it must be condemned. It must be opposed by all who believe in the rule of law and in democracy itself. Now, this is the worst mass killing of Jewish people since the end of Nazi terrorism in 1945. And in response, Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's prime minister, declared this, Israel is at war. He spoke of a long, difficult war in Gaza. You see, this unprovoked attack was launched near the anniversary of the Yom Kippur War in, in October uh, 1973. 
We're now in day eight of this war, and to date, and listen to me carefully, according to the Gaza Health Ministry, some 2,329 Palestinians have been killed since the fighting erupted. Now, I don't know if that includes Hamasi fighters and civilians. Many buildings in Gaza have been bombed by the Israeli army. Israel has ordered the mass evacuation of 1.2 million from northern Gaza. It's ready, if it hasn't already begun, to send its troops into Gaza from air, sea, and land. An offensive on Gaza is on the ground. And tens of thousands of Gazan people are heeding Israeli warning and fleeing south. Iran has told Israel via the UN that it would intervene if operations in Gaza continued. Hezbollah in Lebanon, that's north of Israel, under Iran's influence, threatened to intervene. And many are asking, and they're asking me, and that's why I'm preaching in this this morning, and not in a direct harvest theme. Are we on the cusp of World War III? Is the world on fire was the question, Mr. McLaughlin. And the United States of America, the United Kingdom, have sent aircraft carriers into the Mediterranean. Now, what are we to make of all this? What does the Bible say of anything to this situation? What does the Almighty and the living and true God have to do with all this? What is his plan? What is his purpose for the Middle East and for this land that we call Gaza? Now that's what we want to deal with this morning. I want you to think of four things. One, the establishment of Gaza. Look at our text, Amos chapter 1 and verse 6. For thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four. Underline the word Gaza, right? You see, Gaza is a small piece of land on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean in south, southern Israel. It has a proclamation approximately of 2.2 million. That is known as the Gaza Strip. It's about 25 miles long, and it's about seven and a half miles wide in its widest part. It is reported to be, of course, one of the most densely populated places on the whole earth, although that's disputed by some. Gaza is surrounded on two sides by Israel and by Egypt. Egypt's to its southern border. And then, of course, it's got the Mediterranean Sea for its eastern border. Egypt, of course, has closed its border to Gaza and its people. And from about 2005, Gaza has been controlled by this jihadi movement called Hamas. Now, think of this. I want you to think about that area, this area called the Gaza Strip. When did Gaza first appear? When was it established? When did it begin? Now, do you know that it's mentioned in the Bible? Here's one of the references. All right, Amos chapter 1 verse 6 mentions Gaza. Do you know that it is known by three names? 
The word Gaza appears in the Bible 19 times, 18 of them in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. We'll come to the New Testament one at the end. We'll tie it into the theme of harvest. The first reference is Genesis chapter 10, verse 19. The last reference in the Old Testament is Zechariah chapter 9, verse 5. And that New Testament reference is Acts 8, 26. So 19 references to Gaza. It's also known by another name called Philistia. 247 times. And Philistia is really the land of the Philistines. And remember, the Lord said through David over Philistia, will I cast out my shoe? But it's also known as another name. That name is spelt A-Z-A-Z-A-H. Azaz. And it's mentioned three times. Deuteronomy 2.23. 1 Kings 4.24. Jeremiah 25 and 20. And I would encourage you to look up these references. I would encourage you to read and study them. Because the Bible has a lot to say about Gaza. And when it mentions Gaza, it's a reference to the city, the city of Gaza. There is a city called Gaza. And it's located in the Gaza Strip in, in northern Gaza. And Gaza, of course, also refers to the country, the area surrounding the city, that 25-mile-long strip of land, seven and a half miles wide on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean in southern Israel. Now, when did Gaza begin? See, some allege that it began with the Romans, so they're to blame. The Roman conquest of the Middle East, Roman Empire, long before the days of Christ. Others allege, no, it began in the 19th century with the Jewish migration to what was then the Ottoman Empire. Um, there are those, of course, that point to the Balfour Declaration by the British government in 1917 in support of a national home for the Jewish people. But many, many say, no, it has to do with the UN vote in 1947 to partition the land and the British mandate of Palestine into two states, a Jewish state and an Arab state, following the murder of six million Jews in the Holocaust. Now, I want to tell you something. Listen to me very carefully. You online listen to me this morning. Gaza was in existence long before the Romans, long before 1947. Gaza has been around for centuries, a very, very long time. In fact, Gaza goes all the way back to the days of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. Now, I want you to understand that. And if you turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 10 and look with me at the verse 19, here's the first reference for Gaza. Genesis chapter 10 and in the verse 19. And the border of the Canaanites was from Zidon, as thou comest to Gerar, unto Gaza. There's the first reference. As thou goest unto Sodom and Gomorrah, and Adma, and Zeboam, even unto Lasha. Now there's the very first reference. And if you turn with me to another reference... Come to 
Joshua chapter 10, and it's in the verse, Joshua 10, and verse 41. It says, And Joshua smote them from Kadesh Barnea, even unto Gaza, and all the country of Goshen, even unto Gibeon. Now come over to Joshua chapter 11, verse 22. It says this, Joshua 11, verse 22. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod there remained. Now that's a very important scripture. Underline that. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod there remained. You see, here's a summary in the book of Joshua of the conquest of Joshua and the children of Israel coming into the promised land. And after the exodus, it didn't conquer at all. A certain area remained in the hand of the Canaanites. An area that he failed to conquer. And that area that he failed to conquer was known as Gaza. Gath is mentioned. Ashdod, which are cities of Gaza. It mentions there in Joshua 11 verse 22, the Anakims. Now who are they? That's the giants. And if you think in the days of David of Goliath of Gath. Gath is one of the cities in that Gaza Strip. And Goliath, remember, had four brothers. Young people, that's why he took five stones out of the brook, one for each of them. You see, Joshua is looked upon as one of the greatest generals in Israel history. Do you know if you're training for the Israeli army today? The Israeli soldiers in their training are requested to read the book of Joshua in Hebrew. They're, they're ordered to study his military strategy for the conquest of the promised land. And yet, even though he was one of the greatest generals, whenever he fought to conquer the promised land in ancient time and fought to possess the possessions, there was one area in particular that was not conquered. Yes, he did smite the Philistines unto Gaza. But he didn't conquer it. Do you know that even in the days of Samson, Samson, strongest person that ever lived, Samson was in Gaza. He fell in love with a woman of Gaza. Do you know when they tried to keep Samson bound up in the city, Samson walked off with the gates of Gaza. He carried them to Hebron, 40 miles to Hebron. You see, in those days, Gath and Gaza and Ashdod, they were walled cities with iron gates. So I, I trust this morning that I've tried, by the help of God, to get you to think of the establishment of Gaza. When did it begin to begin? It goes all the way back to the days of Abraham, the days of Isaac, the days of Jacob. Didn't begin just in recent times. I want you to think of something else, and this is very important. Think of the enmity of Gaza. You see, 
Gaza has been the home of the Canaanites and the Philistines from, we'll say from the beginning, the days of Abraham at least, they were there. And from that time up to the present time, they have been Israel's most fearsome enemy. If you look with me at two references now, turn over to Jeremiah chapter 47 and verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 47 verse 4. I'll give you time to look it up. Jeremiah 47 verse 4. The reference will come up on screen. Listen to these words. Jeremiah 47 verse 4. Because of the day that cometh to spoil all the Philistines and to cut off from Tyrus and Sidon every helper that remaineth, for the Lord will spoil the Philistines. Now notice these words. This is what I want you to underline. The remnant of the country of Captor. And if you've got a margin in your Bible, you'll notice the word, the remnant of the country of Captor. The margin is the isle. Now I'll explain that in a wee moment. But keep that in mind. The remnant of the country of Captor. Now turn back in your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy, which is the days of Moses. Deuteronomy, and we're in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 23. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 23. Deuteronomy 2, verse 23. Let's hear the word of God. I'll explain the text, but I want you to see it. And the Avims, which dwelt in Hazarim, even unto Asa, see, that's Gaza, that's its name in ancient time, the Kaphtarims, which came forth out of Kaphtor, destroyed them and dwelt in their land. Do you understand what that means, that text of Scripture? Let me try and explain it to you. The Avims dwelt in Hazarim, even unto Azar. That's Gaza. And the Kaphtarines which came forth out of Kaphtar destroyed them and dwelt in their land. Now that's important. The ancient Avims were a people. You can get a Bible dictionary and they'll tell you where they lived. And Having lived there, this ancient people then came out of Kaftor, which is an island in the Mediterranean known as Crete. And they invaded the land of Asa and began to live there. So the ancient people that lived there were the Avims, who were then displaced by the Kaphtarims, and the Kaphtarims came out of Crete and invaded into Gaza and began to live there. See, these people in the news, Hamas, they're descendants of the ancient Kaphtarites, who evolved then to be named the Philistines. 
And the Philistines, doesn't it sound familiar with Palestine? It's the same root word. And they exist, these people, to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. They hate the Jews. They chant, gas the Jews, death to the Jews, exterminate them. Do you know that in 2005, Israel occupied Gaza? And they withdrew to give a sense of semi-autonomy for the Gazan people. No Jew from 2005 had lived in Gaza. Whenever Israel pulled out, they knocked down the Jewish houses. They burnt the the synagogues. And to that day, no Jew has lived in Gaza. It's been under the control of Hamas. And Hamas, of course, calls for the freeing of Palestine. And those who are out demonstrating, they don't know their history. And they don't know what it's really, really all about. And they don't know at the back of this hatred is satanic influence and satanic oppression. And we're living in a day when history is repeating itself. Look at our text. If you go to Amos, it says this, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. What was one of their transgressions? Because they carried away captive the whole captivity. In other words, they invaded into the land of Israel and they began to murder and they began to um, rape and they began to carry captives away. They began to mutilate individuals. You see, the battle is not over. The battle continues unto this day. And here's these ancient people. And their wish was for death for Israel. These people, of course, are against God. They're against the Bible. They're against anyone who doesn't agree with them. Or stand with them. In their mindset... They um, believe that there's only one God and that God is called Allah. And wasn't that the chance in New York recently at a recent demonstration? These people live to hate. They, they, they live to terrorize the land of Israel and its people. They, they don't want to coexist with Israel. They don't want to be good neighbors. They don't really want a peaceful coexistence. They want a war. And they want a war in which they wish for the death and the annihilation of Israel. That's what it's all about. The enmity of Gaza. And I want to just add this here. You see, this has been egged on, funded by Iran. Do you know that the Biden administration gave Iran $6 billion recently to help them with their nuclear weapons program? And I want to tell you, Iran is a sponsor of terrorism around the world. And it's one objective, along with Hezbollah, is to wipe Israel off the face of the mat. And that's why in these demonstrations they're calling for jihad. As an interesting this, folks, it all comes back to the Middle East. Young people, listen to me carefully. It comes back to Bible prophecy. Here's Amos' prophecy about Gaza in ancient times. For three or four transgressions, or what was one of them? They were carrying people off captive either to sell them as slaves or or for body parts. It's all connected to God's plan. It's all connected to God's program, God's purpose. You you, you think of the Israel scattered for well over 2,000 years. Think of the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire. 
For 2,000 years, there was no nation of Israel. It was under domination. It was under servitude. And then in 1948, on the 14th day of May, here's the first sign of prophetic clock beginning to tick again. After the Holocaust, after the slaughter of 6 million Jews, the background to this was the Balfour Declaration of 1917, paving the way. And eventually, the United Nations in 1947 gave permission that the Jewish people could return to their ancient homeland. And it happened. The state of Israel was declared in 1948 on the 14th of May. You see, even though they've regathered, now think of this. They're under attack, and they've been under attack. And I want to tell you there's worse to come. And we'll live to see a day when Jerusalem will be divided in two and it'll be under Gentile occupation once again. You can read about that in Zechariah chapter 12. You can read about that in Ezekiel 37, 38. When, when Gog and Magog comes, one from the north and one from the um, south. You see, that's modern day Russia and its allies, the territory of Iran, Iraq, uh, all part of the Persian Empire. And they're going to converge again upon Israel. These are end-time events, folks. They're, they're being played out not in Washington, not in New York, not in London, not in Belfast, not in Berlin. No, in the land of Israel. Jerusalem, Gaza, ancient names, this tiny strip of land. It'll be a focal part of the end-time events. Israel scattered. Israel then regathered to its land. Israel attacked and the credible threat is that it's under attack now today. And I believe that Iran and Russia have developed a special connection. They've entered into a billion dollar bill to assist each other. And it's all part of God's plan to bring about end time events. Let me just say two other things here. I want you to think of empathy for Gaza. I've been very surprised and shocked that there hasn't been global support for the land of Israel. And I really mean that. I think these protests and demonstrations around the world, whether in New York, London, Glasgow or Belfast, these calls by people for a free Palestine, or these calls, victory to the Palestinian resistance, they're really deplorable. And I'll tell you why. Because they're glorying in terrorism. There's a sense of satisfaction. They're glorying in the death and murder of men, women, and children. Do you know, Gaza was described to me, it's an open-air prison. Well, I asked this question, well, who was running the prison from 2005? Who are the guards? Hamas. Israel hasn't run Gaza from 2005. Hamas has, after they routed the Palestinian authorities and, and Fatma. The settlements were destroyed. The synagogues were burned. Not one Jewish person is found in the streets, any street, on the borders of Gaza. Israel controlled its border, its own border. Look at the map. Southern frontier is with Egypt. And yet Egypt has sealed up the border and it's very hard to get through. You see, Egypt doesn't want the mass in its territory. It's enough problem of its own with the 
uh, brotherhood of uh, Muslim extremists. Hamas doesn't really care for its people. It's using its people. It's willing to sacrifice its people. Life is not sacred. Do you know that in Gaza there's a brand new shopping mall where you can buy a tin of Coke and you can buy a Snickers bar and you can get special trainers? Do you know that millions have been poured into Gaza? The UN, the US. Hamas, of course, has banned alcohol. It's got morality patrols going about. Smoking in public is forbidden. There's a strict Islamic dress code enforced. You see, it's a land full of paradoxes and surprises. It's not a paradise. Life there is not normal. But I want to say this. Hamas represents an oppressive regime. And ideally, it lives to oppress and put forward a particular cause. Why do we exist? You could ask the question to Hamas. You exist to hate and fight the Jews till the death. You see, in the laws of war, Israel is not targeting civilians. They've tried to avoid civilian casualties. We have called, and I have called this past week for humanitarian corridor. I've said that it's wrong to target innocent men, women, and children. And they have dropped leaflets urging individuals to leave their homes. They're not out to destroy the people and the population. They're out to eliminate and neutralize Hamas. And I want to tell you there should be no glorification of terrorism. There shouldn't be no smug satisfaction when babies and women and men are murdered. And that's why I have condemned Sinn Féin's ambivalence and other political parties in Northern Ireland. Along with the SDLP and the Alliance Party. The BBC is being ambivalent about uh, not calling Hamas terrorists. The Northern Ireland officers refused to light up the, the NIO building. The Republic of Ireland has been the same. You see, well, I'll tell you what this is. This is anti-Semitism in action. And this call deaf to America and, and deaf to the Jews and calling for a, a global jihad, we should have empathy for Gaza. It's people who are living under such an oppressive regime. There should be tears for Gaza and its people. I have one final thing I want to say this morning. An expectation for Gaza. You turn over there to the last reference to Gaza in the Bible. Just as we finish this morning, let me tie in the theme of the harvest to you. In Acts chapter 8, look with me at verse 29. Acts chapter 8. Sorry, it's verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, Acts 8, verse 26, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went down, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. You see, on the road to Gaza, just outside Gaza City, there was a man in the Bible converted. And that man was an Ethiopian. 
He was from Africa. And he's reading Isaiah chapter 53. And, and, and Philip asked him when he came to him, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I accept that some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture we read was this. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so he opened not his mouth. And his humiliation and judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet, this of himself or of some other man. Verse 35, look at the scripture. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him about Jesus. You see, in our expectation for Gaza, I'm going to suggest this morning this. Let's have a call for prayer. We're urged in the Bible to pray for the peace of Jerusalem but we should pray for the people of Gaza. Their tears are the same. Their pain is the same. Pray that they'll be delivered from this oppressive regime called Hamas. Remember this, that war is a terrible thing, and there's such a thing as a just war. It has a legitimate authority that's behind it. It's a just cause. It's a just intent. Those were three principles laid down by Augustine in the 4th century. Does it promote peace? Does it remove the evil? I want you to not only call to prayer, and I not only want you to remember that this is a just war, but I want you to think biblically. Labor on to promote the gospel. That's what we're called to do, to tell others. Go and tell. That, that's what, what the Lord told Philip to do. Tell the Ethiopian, arise and go to the south. And it was at the entrance into Gaza City just outside of the road, that this man was brought to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Not only are we to labor with the gospel, but we're to love people. You see, Philip was a Jew. This Ethiopian was from Africa. He's heading home. I believe he's going to get a ship somewhere off the coast of Gaza to head back to the land of Ethiopia. He's got a different creed. He's a different culture from Philip. But that was not a barrier. You see, Philip was to love people by sharing the gospel. Not only was there to be a labor for the gospel and a love for the gospel, but there's to be a living for the gospel. We live in an evil world. There's many haters of God, the Bible, Jesus Christ, and truth. Satan is at the back of it. Let's not forget that. Satan's at the back of a mass and his below. And, and he's energizing them and, and goading them on to do his work and his evil deed. We have to live for the Lord. Paul says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And not only that there, but we're to also look for the second coming of Christ. He preached unto him Jesus. That was the first coming, explaining his death and crucifixion in the Calvary, explaining his precious shed blood there, and urging this man to believe the gospel. And then this man asked, what does hinder me to be baptized? And he was baptized that very same day. The day was converted. Glory to God. But let's remember to look for the second coming of Christ, because I just want to finish with this. Take these glasses off. The Lord Jesus is coming back. And the Lord Jesus will come back in his appointed time, in his appointed way, and in that day every eye shall see him, Jews and Gentiles alike. And I just want to ask this, will you be ready for when he comes? Will you acknowledge him as Savior and Lord, or will he be your judge? Will he say to you, depart from me, ye cursed, 
into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels because he's coming. Listen to this. He's coming in flaming fire. He's coming to take vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. And that's a fact. And when he comes, Jerusalem will be half run by Gentiles. The battle of Armageddon will be in full fling. And when he comes, he will come to protect the rest of the Jews in old Jerusalem. Now that's a different subject this morning. But I just want to throw it out there. Zechariah chapter 12. You see, all of these events are leading up to this one event. The glorious visible return of Jesus Christ in power and glory. And that's why I'm calling you to think biblically. Let's labor on for souls, even at this gospel mission. Let's live for Christ, no matter what the devil does, because God's on the throne. I was saying that to two wee women down the wee coffee shop in the Craigie Road. We were saying how fearful things were, and we were really worried. Mister, she seen me giving a wee word of prayer, and she came over to speak to me, her and, and her daughter. And I was just telling them, God is still on the throne. He will remember his own. God's in control, and we need to get our eyes on that throne. And, and let's, let's pray for Jerusalem. Let's pray for Gaza. And pray for the outworking of God's plan and God's purpose. And just remember as we finish, our time is gone. Gaza was established in the days of Abraham. Gaza is full of intimacy with Israel from that time up to this present time. Whether it was the Kaftarims, whether it was the Philistines, or whether it's now Hamas and its crew. We must have empathy for Gaza because it's under satanic control. And we must have this expectation that God will work to save souls. Imagine saving one soul outside Gaza City. I was really blown away by that. That's what we need the Lord to do, to save precious souls for time and eternity.